Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So I was thinking today, um, as I started processing this message many, many weeks ago about um, fathers of the Bible, you know, and and I, sometimes I don't like to preach to the specific day. You know, I, I want God to just have his will. But I, I began to process the fathers of the Bible. And I thought, well, who better to talk about today than Father Abraham, right? We sing songs. Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah, okay. There you go. It's stuck in your head. You can thank me later today when it's still there. All right. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. And starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy the angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in, a, in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yareh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of, the, of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Lord, this is your word, alive and active, and may it change us today because of who you are. Amen. So, in the spirit of Father's Day, I began to think on this passage, 
And I began to imagine if they had, you know, had a Father's Day back then, the conversation between Sarah and Isaac after this moment. So, son, what you getting dad for Father's Day? I don't know, Mom, but it ain't going to be a new knife, and it ain't going to be any kind of lighter. I can just assure you of that, right? Like, do you imagine at this very moment that Isaac wanted to get that, uh, you know, you used to get the little best dad, you know, things to put on their chest or whatever? I'm not so sure. But here's what I was in awe of right off the bat. Verse 1. The moment that God called his name, yes, here I am, just instantly answered God. Here I am, Lord. And I thought, I want to be in that place with my relationship with God where I don't doubt his voice. Because honestly, you and I, when God speaks to us, how many of us, we go immediately to, was that God? Did God speak to me? I don't know. Maybe I need to test that out. Maybe I need to look at Scripture a little bit. Maybe I need to wait for the confirmation, right? I want to be in that place where immediately I know God has spoken to me. And I can simply say, yes, Lord, here I am. Now, we have to remember, Abraham, this is not his first encounter with God, right? We know that he's had other moments. Back in chapter 12, remember the original call. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him. So we know this is not his first encounter. God has spoken to him before. He has told him to go before. Leave all that you know, he told him back in chapter 12. Leave all your family, everything that you are most comfortable with, I want you to leave and go to the land that I'm going to give you, right? I'm going to make you a great nation, he told Abram. So Abram went, and it was by faith that Abram obeyed, right? We know in Hebrews chapter 11, we find him in the hall of faith, and it says that we know that because he, was, he obeyed God, he was found righteous, right? So we know that. But here's the thing I want you to pay attention with what is so different, from what we're reading today. Because when we look at that first call, when he said, I want you to go, because he's telling him again, I want you to go. Same directive, I want you to go, Abraham. But in that first one, we saw a command, a promise, and then obedience. So God called him, he said, I want you to go. I want you to leave everything that you know, and I want you to go to this land that you don't know, but I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll bless people that bless you. I'll curse people that curse you. So there's a promise. And Abram said, okay. He obeyed God. He packed up. He left out. Right? And later, God even continues the promise when he makes the new the covenant with him. And he says, not only am I going to make you a great nation, I'm going to give you a son. 
Because see, you know, Abraham reached that point of like, okay, God, you said I'm going to be a great nation, but I don't know how that works because I don't even have kids. So like, you're giving me all this great blessing and I have nobody to give it to. He said, that just doesn't feel right to me. And then God said, I'm going to give you a son. You will have an heir. I promise. I promise. So again, Isaac is that promise that God gave him, right? God's promises motivated Abraham to obey. I mean, that seems pretty simple. God said, go do this. It seemed a little crazy, but this is what I'm going to do. Okay. And he followed through and he obeyed God. But then we come to what we read today in chapter 22. Now, basically, God told Abraham, I want you to take the sum of those promises and I want you to lay it on the altar. All of that blessing, all that I have promised you through your son Isaac, and lay it on the altar. Now, last week we talked about, remember, being humble before God. And when I took off my makeup, that was the whole point of it. I told Thomas, I said, I hope they remember what the message was last week. Not just that BJ <laughs> can't see and BJ did a makeup tutorial, right? Brittany is still a little freaked out by that, just so y'all know. Mom, I just can't believe you did that. But we talked about how we have to come humbly before God. And we have to expose ourselves and we have to open ourselves to him, right? For him to make changes in our life. Because we talked about it's not just about salvation, that there's more God wants to do in your life. Well, this moment was huge for Abraham's theology. Theology is not a big educated word. I know some of you, when I say theology, it sounds too educated. Theology just simply means what you believe about God. Every single one of you have a theology. What you believe about God. Abraham had a theology of what he believed about God. So up to this point, he totally believed God is the creator of everything. He is the one true God we serve. He leads us every day if we will follow his voice. And he promises us good things. This probably summed up Abraham's theology until this day. Because now, there was no promise given. Did you read that really carefully? Think about this in real time. We have to think as Abraham would have fought in that day. We know the whole story. We know what everything was leading to Jesus Christ. Let's think about it from Abraham's point of view because he said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Hard stop, period. There was no promise. There was no promise. Nothing. How would you respond if God asked you that? How would you respond when God says, take everything you love and sacrifice it to me? So before Abraham had a command, 
But he had a promise to motivate him, and he obeyed. Now he has a command, and he has a choice to make of whether he wants to obey God. Now Abraham's awareness then grew that day, because we don't even see a blink of an eye. The next morning Abraham got up early, he packed everything up, and he was out the door. So that, that day, his theology changed from not just a God who is good and who loves me and wants good things for me. God is God Almighty Creator above all things. And He has all right to my life and to shape it how He wants it. That's a big step. That's a big difference between knowing who Jesus is and giving Jesus full control of your life. <laughs> Those are two different theologies. And that day, Abraham knew there's been a command. God has asked me to do something, and he did it. He didn't debate. He didn't wait for confirmation. He didn't wait for three other people to tell him the same thing. He just did what he heard God tell him. His obedience was based solely on what? Who God is. You know, when I say that prayer of God, this is your word alive and active and may it change us because of who you are. It's not based on me. It's not based on how I deliver this message. It's based on his word being alive in your heart through the Holy Spirit and may God change it because of who he is. And Abraham that day, he made a choice not based on any promises. There was none given. There was nothing there that told us anything that he would have believed. That he wasn't going to have to do what God asked him to do. Now we know, and maybe this is why he felt so confident. We know God's heart is not into human sacrifice. Please don't read that into this verse. And maybe that's why he trusted. But you know what? You have to know the heart of God to know those things. Because you also have to imagine that in the cultures around Abraham, it might have been the norm to sacrifice a child. Hmm. So you have to know the heart of God. The problem we have in our day and time right now, people do not know who God is. And therefore they cannot tell the difference from what they're seeing around them in the world and sometimes even inside the church. To know that's not who God is. That doesn't meet up with what God says. But I saw this as a true act of worship. I know this is one of those cringy things sometimes when we read this passage. But it is a true act of worship because he heard God's voice. He believed God to have the best in place. Now think about this because this wasn't like a rash, God said it, he did it, boom. This was a three-day journey. He had three days to contemplate. <laughs> if you've ever had a life-changing decision to make and you had days to think about it, it is the most excruciating thing you can go through. You almost have ulcers before you get there, do you not? Because you're thinking of all the what-ifs. And I know as a father he had to have thought these things. But he had three days to think about it, and when he left the servants, listen to this act of worship. He said, we will come right back. We will come right back. 
So somewhere in Abraham's mind, I think, and in his heart, he knew, my God is going to show up. I don't know how. I don't know what's fixing to take place on this mountain. But i got to trust him. Because didn't he promise this son to me? Didn't he tell me everything that was going to happen? So for me, Abraham's confidence at this point is astounding. Like I read no doubts in here, no quivers, no worries. And I thought, oh Lord, to be more like Abraham. To be more like Abraham and trust. And why wouldn't he, right? He's given him a son when him and Sarah was at an age that it wasn't a feasible thing, right? But remember, let's, let's live in Abraham's moment. There is no promise. And then verse 7 is that sort of hold-your-breath climax moment. And Isaac speaks up, hey, Dad. He's like, Dad, I'm just wondering. We got the fire, check. And we got the wood, check. Dad, where's the sheep? Where's the offering? Now, I love this. Because Abraham just answers, God will provide that sheep. Oh, okay. Isaac believed his dad. Isaac believed his dad. And you know what? Isaac knew the protocol. So like he understood. He's obviously at the age he understood what sacrifice at the altar meant. Like he's seen dad do it before, right? His family has practiced this before. He has seen dad and he has watched dad follow God all these years. Now, we don't know the exact age. I I did some digging trying to come up with an age for Isaac, but it could range anywhere from 4 to 37. And, and, And you just have to take into account, he's obviously old enough that he's carrying the wood. So to me, that kind of... I, I kind of want to think that's older, but I could see Jackson loading up wood and going, let's go, Dad. Let's go do a campfire or something, you know. So, I mean, it could still be a young boy. We know he's not really, really older yet. But here's the deal. He's old enough to understand what's happening. He's old enough to understand that when you have to go to the altar to make a sacrifice, there has to be something there to sacrifice. He's old enough to understand that how all of this works. But we also know he must have trusted his father. Now, I'm, I'm not a dummy. I know we don't have an entire conversation built in here. But I feel like God has given us the important parts to know. And I see a, a young man who trusts his father. Why? Because he knows that his father trusts his father. He has watched Abraham through his entire life trust and obey everything God has told him. And you know that was a daily practice for him. And that made all the difference in this young man's reaction to this scenario. Verse 9, he tied Isaac up. Now, I'm going to get to heaven. I I just know I'm going to have some questions. Like, after I'm just like through, 
you know, talking with Jesus, I know I'm going to go have some questions for people. Like, Isaac, really? Like, you were really cool with that? I want you to think about if you were tying the, the legs of a cow up, you know. Um, man, we could have had a roping demonstration in here. Raymond, I'm sorry I missed that for you, bud. I'm so sorry I missed that. But he tied him up, and we get no details on Isaac's reaction to this, but he obviously, and this is why I don't feel like he was too much older, because he he wasn't big enough to take Dad down, and Dad, remember, is like 100, right? So, like, that'd be like wrestling Mr. Leon over here, right? (laughs) That's fun. That's fun. But we don't get all the details. But again, we have seen nothing here but trust that happened. And there's still, listen, there's still no indication of a promise, right? It's simply Abraham obeying at this point. And at that last second, that angel steps in. Like, Hollywood can't make a better TV script, just so you know, right? I feel like this has made a full circle for Abraham's story. Because in verse 12, it says, Now I know that you fear God. So when that angel stops him, he said, Now I know that you fear God. Now? Seriously, right now is the only time that you know this? Because I'm thinking back in chapter 12 when he left home that he feared God. Now, this is a fear of reverence. All right? A reverence. Like, yes, you can put a little fear in there. And and you know what I'm talking about. Like, when a, a child respects parents enough to do what they say, but there's also that little fear knowing that if I don't do what mama says, eh, you know. So it's sort of a mixture of love, respect, and fear that goes together, all right? But I'm just thinking to myself, really? You didn't know God back in chapter 12 that Abraham feared you in that way? But he said there was a promise there. It's easy when a promise motivates us to do the right thing. Folks, y'all don't get up and go to work just because you love your job. Y'all get up and go to work because there's a promise there. You're going to get a paycheck. Yeah, you might like your job. But you get up and you go because there's going to be a paycheck. Right? So I want you to think in those terms, Abraham wasn't promised no paycheck. He just had to go do what God said do. Hmm. And the angel said, now I know. Now I know. Church, will we follow God if he asks us to give up all the promises and everything? Because God gives us really good gifts sometimes. He does bless his children. And what if he said, lay it all down? I don't know if y'all understand the, the severity of that because as a pastor, I know the severity of it and I'm even shaking inside right now. Like a, I'm thinking in the back, of, God, don't put me on the mission field. <laughs> God, don't send me somewhere, you know? I know. When, when we are humble enough to, to bow before Jesus and say, it's all yours, God. Everything in my life. Because you see... Thomas and I said that prayer one time of like, God, 
life is just kind of miserable right now, and like it's because we know we're not giving you everything, so here it is. Here's all of our life. Everything we got. Show us what to do with it. And he said, pack up and go to Wix. Mm-mm. No. And see, that was one of those moments I knew God's voice. I knew it enough that in that one week of change, I wanted to argue. I wanted to figure out how it wasn't God's voice. I did not want to move to Wix. I'm sorry. I love y'all, but I was, I was a country city girl. And when my mother-in-law tells me you only go to Walmart one time a week, what? You know? Like, I planned my supper because I went down to Kroger every day to get what I needed, you know? But I knew it was God's voice. I knew it was God's voice because we had humbled ourselves before God. And so I cried the entire week of packing because I knew I couldn't argue with that voice. (laughs) And I'm so thankful we didn't. I am so thankful we didn't. And even though the first few years of living here, I was like, hey, God, you can move us any time again. Like, you did it once. Let's do it again, you know. I am so thankful he did. I am so thankful that I got to raise my kids in this church. I am so thankful of where I'm standing, which was not on any of my scope of things in that moment he asked us to move here. But Abraham didn't have that promise In fact, it wasn't until after he was fully going to obey, God provided. God provided and then gave him the promise of what he would do. He provided the ram, just like Abraham knew he would. He said, he told his son, God will provide, don't worry. He did. He provided that offering. And then in verse 16, he said, because you obeyed. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Because you obeyed, I'm going to bless you. We love to sing the song, Jireh, you are enough. And this is where that comes from. That verse 14, Yahweh, Yahweh. But you may know it as Jehovah, Jireh. God is enough. God is enough enough but not just enough it's the lord will provide but i need you to understand because sometimes i think we use this for our own purpose and that's not what this is because it said on the mountain of the lord he will provide in other words abraham had to follow we don't know where it was or what mountain it was but god said i'll show you and, and you can't go off doing your own thing and then come over here and sing Jehovah Jireh with me, okay? Do you understand? You have to be following the voice of God in your life. You have to be on the mountain that God called you to for him to be able to bless you. You know, sometimes we get so frustrated of like, God, why aren't you showing up? I think it's because we're on the wrong mountain sometimes. I think because we took a look and said, oh, God, I don't know. Your mountain looks a little tough. It's kind of steep. But this one over here, I can climb that hill. I'm going to go over here. I'll be over here, Lord. Come find me over here, right? But he told Abraham, because you obeyed, I will bless you. 
How many blessings have we missed, church, because we didn't want to obey what God asked us to do? Hmm. That's going to be... Diane, I think you gave us that lesson many, many years ago about getting to heaven and there's going to be things that we missed. We'll understand the things that we missed because we didn't trust God enough to obey. You know, I am so happy here on Father's Day with my dad that I know in the last days I have hope. I have hope that he knew forgiveness. I have hope that I'll see him in heaven. I have a hope. But it breaks my heart that he didn't live a life to show me who Jesus is. It breaks my heart that he did not fear God enough to live that kind of life. Church, men, what is your example? What kind of father have you been? Are you being? Will you be? And some of you are in here, poor Dalton, he's like, I ain't no daddy. No, but you might be someday. And sometimes you will father children that are not even your children. We influence people. And this is not just for the men today. This is for all of us. Isaac trusted his dad because he watched his dad serve and obey God. We're wondering today what is wrong with this generation. What examples have they had? Not just here. Not just because you showed up here. Monday through Saturday, what examples have you been setting for your kids? And your grandkids? And your neighbor's kids? What examples of trusting God, obeying God, putting God first in everything we do have we set? Do you know the voice of the Father? Are we able to just say, yes, Lord, here I am? Hey, I struggle with that, and I'm the pastor, right? We have to be in the Word. We have to be connected to Him. We have to be spending time in that prayer. We have to, like we talked last week, we have to strip off all the false filters, and we have to be able to humbly come and say, God, here I am. Take what needs taken, give what needs given, and change whatever you want. Scary prayer? Maybe. But I promise you'll never, ever regret it. I promise you'll never regret it. My question is, though, are you waiting for the promise before you move? Oh, how many times do we want to wait until we know exactly, God, how is this going to play out? When we know he's told us to do something, go speak to this person, call that person, write a letter. I don't know that they're ready to respond. That's not what he said. He spoke something to you. Do it. Drop a text to somebody this week. If, if God puts a name on your heart, don't question. Well, what do I need to pray about, Lord? Don't worry about it. Holy Spirit will intercede. I just need you to pray for them. If God calls today, will we obey? Just because he's God. Not because of promises. And then the other question is, does God still call? Yes, he does. 
Yes, he does. He's still asking us to do crazy things that make no sense. Because every time he told Abraham to do something, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, we're living in a day and age. We know. We calculate the economy, the gas. the we, we, And if God says, hey, I need you to drive 10 hours this way. God, do you know the price of gas right now? Like, I, I can't afford to do that. <laughs> but if God calls, if God calls, God still calls today. There are some of you sitting in here today, he's calling you to ministry and you're ignoring it. He's calling you to missions. There are kids in that back room. I know God is putting calls on. And adults, it's up to you and I to help lead them in the fact of trusting God with everything. That it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but if God calls. Abraham was not doing his own thing. He wasn't just out there living life. Now, he probably had an everyday life like you and I. There is just things that come with living that we do, right? We get up, we take care of animals, we go to work, we do just everyday things. But he was always attentive and always ready to hear from the voice of God. He was listening and obeying. Because you obeyed, I will bless you. Stand with me, church family. And Jason, I don't know if you can pull up our normal prayer song just as good. I know some of you have already dropped your rocks in here. and Sometimes it's like with Abraham. I'm sure at that moment God said to go, he thought of that first time when God said to go. And he probably thought of every hardship, everything he went through. And he knew God had always been faithful always been faithful doesn't mean life is always easy doesn't mean that publishers clearing house is coming in the mail obviously not that's a scam this week right i saw saw scott's post but it means that god is faithful that god has a purpose for your life he's just waiting for you to obey As we pray together, the Ebenezer Rocks are here. If you want to, for those of you that may not know what that is, you put your initial, drop the rock in the jar, just as a remembrance of what God has done in your life as you pray for something that you're working through now. These altars are open if if you need to spend time of just saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come this morning... And Father, may we humble ourselves before we rush out of this room this morning, before we rush to go spend time with our families, God, may we just humble ourselves. And Father, may we open hands this morning, allowing you the availability and the permission to show us the direction you have for us, to show us the things you might want to change. Father, I believe that you still call just like you did with Abraham. And you still tell us to go. And I believe there are some here in this room today, Father, that have heard your voice. And they just have not said, yes, Lord, here I am. And I pray today is that day. Father, as we leave this place today, I hope it is evident that we have been in your presence. 
I hope that as we come across people the rest of the day, that they will know that we have been to the house of God together. And may we bless others because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, have a beautiful day with your fathers and your families, and go be a blessing to someone. Have a great day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved. Thank you.